SoCal Voices on the Road is brought to you by Nurturing You Women's Health and Wellness, providing general gynecology, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, medical weight loss, and more. Offices in Corona and Indian Wells. Learn more at nurturingyou.com. I'm Angela Ross, and this is SoCal Voices. The first installment of our On the Road series starts at one of the most iconic sites in Southern California, the historic Mission Inn in downtown Riverside. It is challenging to do justice to this historic landmark in a single podcast episode. The story of the Mission Inn spans more than 100 years, including 30 years of construction and powerful stories about the people who worked for founder Frank Miller and made the hotel the icon that it is today. I caught up with Jared Hoagland, executive director of the Mission Inn Foundation, to learn more. I want to start by asking you how you got to this grand, iconic place, the Mission Inn. What was your path, your journey here? <laughs> well, it actually took me all over the United States, so um, we kind of had to go back a few years. Okay. So uh, I had gotten started in museums, actually, in Anchorage, Alaska, with the Alaska Aviation Museum. Mm. Uh, had started there at the gift store and worked myself up to executive director in a couple of years, and uh, that's really where I started with museums. So uh, an opportunity came up to work in Virginia Beach uh, at the Military Aviation Museum. My, my wife and I uh, decided that was a good move for us to go together. She also works in museums. And we took that trek from Anchorage over to Virginia Beach in 2017. On the caveat that on that side where there are many museums, if she could not find a job that was fulfilling for her, that we would uproot and move back to uh, wherever we, she found a place that really fulfilled what she wanted to do career-wise. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the grand bargain. So we moved to Virginia Beach, and lo and behold, there were no museum jobs. So advice to everyone looking at museum careers, don't be a spouse of someone who also works in a museum. It's particularly difficult to both find good work. <laughs> That's um, good advice. Yeah, so, uh, so we got to a place there where uh, we started looking for positions for her across the country. So she was offered an accepted position as the collections manager at the Palm Springs Art Museum. Mm -hmm. uh, so just a little bit away from us. Mm -hmm. So that started my search for something in this area. So my uh, career so far had been in aviation museums, coming from a background of non-aviation. So I came from it, from it as an outsider. When I saw this opportunity here at the Mission Inn Foundation, it was the same kind of approach. You know, this, this has really been a, Riverside's very close-knit uh, community, with very strong ties to their history. And uh, I applied to the position hoping that I could bring some of my outside experience in growing museums to this organization. And it's really been a lot of fun. What's been the most um, appealing thing to you about uh, this place? You know, it, it has such a rich, deep history. It's a very unique look. Um, people come from all over the world to, to see this place. So when you came out here and you had the opportunity to, to begin work, what was it that appealed to you most? Well, um, first, you know, the building is iconic. So it was even in when I was in Virginia Beach mentioning to people where I was going to go, people over there understood and knew what the Mission Inn was. Mm -hmm. And so it has this um, worldwide renown. And when you get here, you realize how prideful the Riverside residents are of their history, of their culture. And a lot of that's embodied in the stones here in Mission Inn, mm -hmm. right? So it's the building that was at the center of the growth of Riverside. It kind of represents how Riverside developed as a city. 
Um, and besides that, it's just a beautiful building with opportunities to get lost in history every day. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit more uh, about the property. Um, d- just describe it for the person who's listening and who's never actually been here. Maybe they've driven by, maybe they've heard about it, maybe they've seen it doing research, but how would you describe the Mission Inn? I mean, one way to first look at it is the, s- the scale of its size. So the hotel itself takes up an entire city block. It is also a mishmash of four architectural styles that were built during different times. And so what you get is this kind of Californian castle type look for those who are not familiar with the architecture. Mm-hmm. And as you get in, you see spires, you see domes, you see towers, uh, all these different pieces that kind of give you an idea of what maybe you'd see in Europe, which was really the intention, the original intention from Frank Miller, who had founded the mission. And mm-hmm. if you've ever been to Hearst Castle, uh, to me, it feels very much like that. Yes. It's a, uh, a building of a historic feel full of artifacts and collections from around the world. Talk a little bit about uh, Frank Miller. Um, I'm sure you have had to learn quite a bit yeah. about uh, him and the history here and how that all started. Do you think his vision for the place was uh, fulfilled? Yeah. So um, one, I was uh, first saying that the experts in Frank Miller are really are volunteer docents. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'll speak to what my experience is so sure. far with this. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Miller kind of had dual visions of how the hotel should grow. It was not only about an entrepreneurial bend on how to make money and grow his own property, but how to grow this property within growing Riverside at the same time. So what you see from Frank Miller is while he's building this hotel and building the infrastructure around it to support the hotel, he's also doing a lot of things like helping Riverside build out other properties chasing the citrus industry and other elements of economic growth that both support Riverside as a whole as well as the hotel. I think what you find is that if Frank Miller were alive today, while he might have some sense of you know what the decor might look like, I think he would still be proud that Mission Inn is still considered the centerpiece of Riverside. Why do you think he'd have some issues with the decor? Oh, he liked collecting things as if it was a museum. And so uh, while the hotel gears towards now a, a five-star experience, which is fantastic, I'm we're not saying that's bad. His vision was more of as a living museum. Mm-hmm. And so he mm-hmm. very much had collections. He had curators and uh, tour guides from the very beginning of the hotel on site. A lot of the historic photos you see the mission, the rooms are very understated. The idea was that it was supposed to be elegance and comfort, but in a comfort way. Mm-hmm. So you'll see you know, open wooden beams and uh, uh, comfortable chairs. It wasn't meant to be something for that you couldn't, how to put it, it was luxurious while being comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so, and that was a very different feel back then than what it is now. Um, but you still attracted that very high-end clientele for that experience. And you continue to do that for today with the great experience that the hotel offers today. Yeah, yeah. Talk about some of the special guests who've been here. <laughs> uh, so the Mission Inn, again, was the centerpiece for driving traffic and a celebrity to uh, Southern California. So we had a number of presidents here who associated. So, you know, uh, President uh, Nixon was married here, actually, before he was president, and that's a famous example. Um, One of my favorites is that on a a tour, a public uh, publicity tour, um, Millie Earhart was here. And one of the reasons why I enjoy this so much is because a lot of our records of famous guests who visited are found either in guest books or accounts, but we don't necessarily have the photographic evidence. Mm. And so we actually do have several photographs of Amelia Earhart on property, including I'm holding the uh, famous macaws. That is fantastic. Fantastic. I have done um, a couple of tours here 
with the docents that you mentioned, and they are quite knowledgeable. Um, one of the things that really uh, I have found appealing about this place is just the uniqueness of all the spaces. Um, the, the chapel, for example, which is just fabulous. I want you to describe that and then talk about some of the other better-known areas of, uh, of the property. Absolutely. So the chapel is often the first place people think of when they think of the interior of the hotel. And it's, it is kind of hard to describe. So you enter into a room that feels very much like a church, but to be clear, was was never a church. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never used for religious services. Um, and at its front is a retablo, which was um, a Mexican uh, altarpiece. And it's about two stories tall and covered uh, in gilt, so gold leaf. And so if you can imagine coming into this place in uh, the detail and scale of this piece it it's amazing and while you may be focusing on that aspect of it you don't want to miss the fact that the room is lit itself with uh, Louis C. Tiffany windows mm-hmm. on either side which themselves are pretty amazing and so that room kind of is encompasses kind of how the mission Inn was put together so there's no relationship to the Tiffany windows to a Mexican retablo to some of the art pieces that are in there but all together you come to a really magical space what are some of the other areas of the hotel that are special? Um, one of the more interesting places actually was formed after Frank Miller. Uh, it was really pushed forward by DeWitt Hutchings, which is the famous Flyers Wall. Mm-hmm. So as part of a publicity push uh, for the mission in the 30s, the idea was to bring famous aviators to the hotel and have them sign a pair of brass wings and plaques over there so that there was this collection of famous pilot signatures to say that the mission had attracted all these people. So you have a lot of famous faces there. This is one what brought Amelia Earhart here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have uh, you know Hap Arnold, who was a famous uh, uh, um, air marshal there in uh, World War II, and a lot of other famous folks. Um, and that tradition continues today. So you have wings up there from John Glenn. You have uh, Tuskegee Airmen. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, the last one was um, uh, Dick Rutan, um, who set world speed records. Uh, that was just completed last year. So it wow. continues that tradition of... Um, kind of being a a stopping point for famous aviators. We'll be back right after this. Dr. Lita Harris and her team at Nurturing You Women's Health and Wellness offer a variety of services, including general gynecology, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy for women and men, and a range of beauty services, including microneedling, body contouring, laser hair removal, medical weight loss, and more. Dr. Harris provides a warm, professional environment and customized treatment plans at offices in Corona and Indian Wells. Learn more at nurturingyou.com. What about some of the lesser-known aspects of the hotel that you found to be particularly interesting? Um, these, you know, the, the place has a lot of little nooks and crannies <laughs> that the general public doesn't always have access right. to. But um, I'm wondering if there's something that has struck you in particular about being, wow, this is just really um, fantastic, and nobody knows about it. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of those elements, right? And as the hotel was built and rebuilt over the years, um, there's a number of places where there have stairwells to nowhere um, because they're sealed up. You can look at historic photographs and say, Here, here's a shop that was open as late as the 1970s, which no longer exists and is no longer recognizable. Mm. Um, one of the fun things our uh, docents do is spot the bird game. So there's these little cast iron birds that are uh, perched in certain places. Uh, probably the most prominent one is there in, at the entrance to the Paseo, which is where we entered this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're throughout the hotel. And so you find these little details scattered throughout um, that are never going to be part of the main uh, show, mm-hmm. uh, but just show that they wanted interesting things uh, for people to kind of find out throughout the hotel. 
Amazing, amazing. Talk a little bit about uh, what's happening present day, the restaurants, the spa, and events that, uh, that the hotel does on a regular basis. Yeah, so um, just to draw a clarification, Mission Inn Foundation is separate from the Mission Inn Hotel mm-hmm. uh, as separate entities. I did want you to talk about that structure, too. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. Let's deal with that first. Yeah, absolutely. And then we can get into some of the other things. What is the the structure between the foundation, the hotel, and, and just the whole Mission Inn entity yeah, in, in absolutely. Riverside? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Brief history lesson on this one um, and just kind of breeze through this. So the, the Mission Inn, obviously, was founded by Frank Miller. Um, Frank Miller had passed away in 1935, and it was passed on to uh, his family, DeWitt Hutching specifically, and it stayed in the family for about another 15, 20 years, um, and it was bought up by another hotelier named Ben Swig. Mm-hmm. After that, it kind of went through a succession of buyers and sellers trying to turn the hotel into, again, what it once was, a, a magnificent hotel. And when we approached the, the 60s, the hotel is struggling. The hotel is in, in disrepair. And, you know, you start hearing more talk about what happens, not just at a hotel, but to the space. A demolition becomes a very real conversation about the history of the ho- or the, the future of the hotel. So uh, the first organization that kind of steps up at that point in 1969 is the Friends of the Mission. Now, this is a separate organization from us, a nonprofit, um, but we partner with them closely. And their original function was to help save the Mission Inn, particularly its art and artifacts. And so over the last 50 years, they have done a number of projects where they've either um, returned objects, brought them back from those objects that were sold at previous auctions, um, to restoration projects, with their most famous probably being the uh, restoration of the organ that's in the um, Grand Parisian Ballroom, formerly known as the Music Room, for obvious reasons. <laughs> and uh, and more recently have done uh, hired out work to work on the um, Ho'okan, which is an uh, Asian-themed uh, room. Uh, Buddha, Japanese Wedding Lantern, and other items have been restored in those spaces. And that's 1969. Uh, in the 70s, the Mission Inn was used as mixed use. So there was a bit of hotel, but there was also um, permanent residents here, uh, living here as apartments. Mm-hmm. Come 1976, uh, again, demolitions on the table for the Mission Inn. Um, and in fact, we do have an upcoming lecture uh, with two of the last residents of the Mission Inn, uh, Rex Jackson and Nancy Jones, who fought eviction four times uh, uh, there in 1976, which ultimately bought enough time for the city redevelopment agency to purchase the uh, Mission Inn as a property and establish the Mission Inn Foundation to actually manage the hotel. So that's how the Mission Inn Foundation started, is as a uh, hotel management uh, entity. Wow. Now, and that uh, takes us to today. So ultimately, the city... Uh, wanted to sell the hotel to a private um, buyer mm-hmm. because uh, they felt that economically it was going to be better for the city as well as a private buyer may put more investment into it than the city. And this process started in earnest in the 80s. And this is when the Mission and Foundation become more, more of a museum organization focused on curating exhibits, education programs, and such. Ah, oh, okay. Lastly, that brings us to uh, 92, uh-huh. which when our current owners, uh, uh, when I say our, I mean the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, Mission Foundation is still a separate nonprofit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Dwayne and Kelly Roberts um, bought the Hotel 92 um, specifically to bring it to a, a back to its glory days of a five-star hotel. And so that's really when our roles formalized. Mm-hmm. So you have us who serve as the museum function for the hotel, with having exhibitions, tours of the hotel, and education programs. The Friends continue to do their their work in terms of restoration of artifacts and preservation of um, art. And the hotel operates as a private uh, entity that is a for-profit um, uh, 
organization generated to grow business at a hotel. It all comes together, doesn't it? it? All comes I mean, together. there's different paths, different priorities, uh, different work to do, but it all works together to make this place as grand and as uh, fabulous uh, as it is. How, how would you describe the Roberts um, impact on the Mission Inn? Um, all of the entire entity, um, their their influence, their their tastes, what's been the impact of, of their ownership? I mean, first I should say that, you know, when the city was trying to sell this in the 80s, um, there was a group called the Carly Group had put a significant investment in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, that ultimately fell through. Again, the question of what the future of the Mission Inn would be uh, came into question, and there was a lot of heartache in the city about it. What the Roberts uh, initially um, brought to the table was st- stability. That, that no longer do we have the fear that the mission is going to be torn down and turned into a parking lot. And so the stability is that first thing they brought, which is vitally important for us to be able to do anything else with a hotel. Um, the I want to say what their main focus on is to try to bring opulence to the hotel, to give an experience that kind of gives you a, a feel of what Europe would feel like, uh, not necessarily in actuality, but in idealism ideal uh, sense um, and so what you'll see that throughout the property right so you'll you'll see um, well endowed rooms you'll see restaurants with uh, fine dining uh, fine wine um, uh, excellent hotel staff all those and that's really kind of be a luxury experience for guests mm, fantastic talk about um, what you hear people say most often uh, when they come to visit the museum uh, when they're walking through the, the property, what do you hear most? What are some of the comments you hear most often? Uh, mostly they're surprised. They didn't realize that this was here. Really? And so I think there's a sense that the mission is there and it's always been there and it just becomes part of the backdrop of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those who get to come inside the building for the first time, and the lobby is open to the public, but mm-hmm. once you take one of our tours into the, you know, the deep of the hotel, um, you can really get a sense of the scale, scope, and how much of a labyrinth the hotel can be. And so you get a lot of comments about, you know, we didn't realize all this art was here. Uh, we heard about the chapel, but we had no idea how magnificent it was. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize how much of the mission in history coincides and influences the history throughout Riverside as well. Yeah. It is all interlinked in the city. That's wonderful. Um, it's such a treasure because I think a lot of people have a, a preconceived idea about uh, anything that is uh, east of Los Angeles, uh, if you will. <laughs> and it's um, nice to see that we have such a treasure here mm-hmm. uh, in Riverside. I wonder, uh, Jared, if you could speak to what you've learned about yourself in your role uh, here. What is there something um, that has come forward that you didn't know you had in you um, or that has grown as a result of your being here? <laughs> um, that's a tough question. I'm, I'm not usually subject to introspection on that on that level. <laughs> I, will, I will say that, you know, it's a little bit of a shift to go from uh, an aviation background to, to this. Not so much as a museum function, because a lot of that's the same, but uh, some of it is how to focus uh, your attentions on a smaller scale. So as grand and as big as the mission is, um, I'm coming from a place that's uh, you know, 130 acres, and it's uh, fairly large. Mm-hmm. And so now what you have this concentrated history, this concentrated luxury in a small space, and how to draw inspiration from that. And so one of the things we're looking at, uh, and we're looking at it in conjunction with the docents, is that we've been kind of covering this 
skin level uh, history of the hotel for you know as many years as we've been do- dosing in this current program, which is about almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yet there's so much more to uncover, and we're finding that there are new stories and new aspects and new angles every day that we uh, need to pull on. And so there's all these threads that have been left untouched for us to pull on. Um, one of the more exciting ones, I think, that's in our collection that hasn't really been researched to the extent it should be are the employee records. So we have employee records going back to Frank Miller's times um, and all the way throughout the uh, 40s and the 60s when this hotel was you know, a, a multi-use area. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll really learn about the people who worked here. Uh, you know, the, a lot of the employees lived in the area. A lot of the employees were... Um, you know, from uh, different cultures and mm-hmm. different uh, countries. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a potential gold mine of information there. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't pulled that thread yet, but um, mostly because in the last two years we've been dealing with COVID, as everyone else has. Sure, sure. Um, but we're excited to get in there. You know, I would love to hear more about that. Uh, the people's stories are always the most fascinating, right? So as you guys dig into that, I want to stay in touch so we can maybe uh, do a little bit of follow-up with you yeah, about what you find out about the people. Because it's the people that make the place, right? Exactly. That is, that's just so essential, so essential. If you had to describe uh, your main goal that you want folks to, ha- to, to take away when they, when they step into this place, they, they get the tour, they come in, maybe they have something to eat uh, in one of the restaurants, um, or they just do like I do, stand across the street and just look at the place. I just, I just love to do that. Um, what's the main takeaway you want folks to have? Well, I think, you know, we often think about the mission in as a building, as a building full of stuff mm-hmm. that is interesting and has some history. But what I really want people to do is to come away with a curiosity about how the growth and the building of the Mission Inn ties to the growth and the building of the Riverside as a community and how that strings together to where we are today, why the neighborhoods are set up the way they are, why you know the, the buildings we have are here, why the corporations we have that are here. Um, Riverside today is very much influenced by Frank Miller and how it's developed. Um, and most ways good, in some ways, you know, need more exploration, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want them to come away with a curiosity that drives them back to us, that allows us to continue to tell those stories, to find and share new stories, and be able to take an objective view of our history so that people never want to stop learning. Thank you. Thanks so much. This has been a joy, a real pleasure. I've learned a lot. Uh, I thought I knew a lot about the Mission Inn, and I, I've learned some more uh, interesting facts about it, just having this conversation with you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Um, and one of the things we're working on is building out, like we said, we want to expand upon those stories. Mm-hmm. So one of our newest, uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to expand out to a number of tours we have to explore specific subjects as opposed to just a broad view. Mm. Um, we hope to launch this fall a relaunch of the um, art tours, Spanish language tours, and Women of the Mission Inn tours. So love to have you back to start as we start that journey to see how it goes. I will be here. I'm fascinated by this place and I'm sure um, others will be too. So thanks very much. Appreciate thank, the time. Thank you. I'm Angela Ross. Thanks for listening. Remember to follow SoCal Voices on social media at SoCal Voices and hop on over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. We love to hear from our listeners. So drop us a line at contact us at SoCalVoices.com. SoCal Voices on the Road is brought to you by Nurturing You Women's Health and Wellness, providing general gynecology, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, medical weight loss, and more. Offices in Corona and Indian Wells. Learn more at nurturingyou.com.